Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. La di da, la di da, la la. It's a snitch show, three session through the third sitting, three three of three. Um, the, I think this is the third or fourth year we've done this. Jesse, you've been on the snitch show before, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, you have. It was awful the first time round. It was so terrible. I'm trying to like, you know, make it a better experience right now. Really? Yes. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that winning like? so far. Nothing is it winning? terrible has happened. Yeah. How much yes. medication are you on today? Um, lots. Okay. Good. But it's all good and caffeine mixed And in. caffeine, very yes. Well. Yeah. It's a good combination. Okay, cool. <laughs> Robin, good. <laughs> We've also got you here in the studio. Uh, Jesse Zinn. Yes. And your film, Intas and Oz, is here. Robin, good commando, you're here. And uh, Michael Klein, your film, Paper Hearts, is here. So welcome to the welcome to session three. Um, seventh year of Schnitt. It's a seven-year Schnitt. Uh, this is where we decide whether this relationship is working out between the city and the festival. We're hoping for the best. But uh, you guys are the filmmakers, so you tell us... Um, Format of this is super low-key and fairly off-the-cuff, obviously. We'll talk a bit about your films and talk a bit about each other's films. Feel free to ask each other interesting questions about each other's films because I have no more interesting questions. My interesting questions are <laughs> like completely You're exhausted done. at this point. Yeah, really, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen You're anybody's the leftover films. Group. Yeah. Well, that's, see, that makes it even more interesting, the fact right. you haven't seen anybody's films. Yeah. Because you, you get to really ask, you know, like, why? What, what does the gorilla mean in Paper Hearts? What is it, what's it about? Well, I didn't know there was a gorilla in Paper Hearts. See? See? So we're, it's, we're, it's breaking all, uh, we're breaking new grounds. I mean, I'm just assuming grounds. that your film is about a man who doesn't wear underpants. Yeah. Uh, I was really excited <laughs> for a gorilla, though. I feel like we should yeah, make up a I film might, about a gorilla. I might recut it just and yeah. maybe drop a frame in there. Just a gorilla to, who doesn't wear underpants. Yeah, this is an amalgamation there. Yeah, this is a collaboration. But uh, really, let's talk. Let's start, Jesse, with you. Let's talk about Into Us and Ours. You decided to start with the like most tired person. I in did, the room. yeah. I'm picking Thanks, on Sean. you. I'm deliberately picking on you. <laughs> yes. Okay. So what's what's there to say? Uh, tell, tell tell us about the film because it's it's you know your first film at Schnitt Umva last year was was politically charged and socially charged and and into us and I was a continuation, but that's gone out of the abstract experimental documentary form into something that's narrative. So without giving away the story of the film, tell us a bit about where it comes from and and yeah, what it's about. Well, last year I also had a different film in, in the Cops of Bobotee section mm. called Grace, which was a narrative film that wasn't that politically charged. So mm. I think Intas and Owls would be like best described as some form of a, a combination between the two. Okay. So Intas and Owls was my graduation film from mm -hmm. UCT. I graduated from screen production last year. Mm. Um, and yeah. I've been trying to do my thing this year. But basically, it's it's kind of a film about two born free women who are UCT students. It's semi-autobiographical. And it's um, the, the film kind of just follows them in a day in their life after they've experienced an event. Mm -hmm. And that event, that specific event, causes them to perceive it differently. And it ignites a series of misunderstandings between the two of them, uh -huh. which has, you know, kind of political and social ramifications to it, yes. Mm -hmm. That's in a nutshell what it's about without yeah. giving too much away. And there's a gorilla. And there's a gorilla. Who doesn't like to wear underwear. Okay. God, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I knew we were onto something. Yes. So what is, because all your work sort of speaks to today's South Africa, I think. And yeah. and it, we had Simon Wood in here early on, who oh. I know has mentored a lot of UCT projects. And he, one of the, we were talking about what's getting people excited about making films in South Africa now. And one of the things he said was how much of a political 
and social voices coming through, and especially the film that's coming out of UCT over the last couple of years, and um, and a generation who's seeing things in a way that, you know, when I was at UCT 10 years ago, we quite literally weren't. We quite literally didn't, you know, didn't even register whose statues we were walking past or, mm. or question the social fabric of, of, of the South Africa we'd been, you know, we'd grown up into being sort of 10, 12 years old when apartheid ended. So I don't know if it's a huge question, but just this sort of consciousness going on among filmmakers and storytellers at UCT now, what are you, what are you seeing? Um, well, you know, like I'm a born free. I was born in 1994. And I think like, um, well, I mean, I can't speak for all filmmaking because I don't think that there is any like truthful way of approaching filmmaking. But for me, like filmmaking is very personal. Mm. It's always linked to my own experiences and what I'm experiencing. So I'm not sure what else I could make right. except for films that somehow speak to our current context, which is politically charged at the moment. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, there are variations in personal experiences that I'm personally more interested in, you know. Like, I think um, it's very easy to just brand someone as, like, a feminist filmmaker or a political filmmaker. But for me, like, the really interesting stories are, like, the personal, everyday, in-between stuff mm. that we don't really see all the time or hear about in, like, the media, you know. So, so for me, that's, that's kind of what I, I try to do with my filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the strengths of Inter Sonars is that it is personal. Mm. It doesn't feel, because it's obviously there's layers of so much going on there, but it's really about the breakdown of a relationship between two people. Yeah. And that's, and that's what the focus of the story is, actually. It's the, that emotional core. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because, you know, we've done like a few screenings for UCT in between all the other screenings. And I think especially for students, um, you know, it's, it's like it, the story is, is structured, but there's also kind of a lot of personal reading and mm. interpretation that can go into it. And what's so interesting to me is the different way that people, mm. you know, interpret it. Okay. And people sometimes say like completely different things. Um, and for me, that's quite nice because I think a lot of young people kind of crave content that enables them to like make their own meaning from mm. it. You know, like we're kind of going through the stage where young people don't want to be told what to do or think. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's quite nice. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the response is that comes out of the festival. Robin, let's talk mm. about uh, Commando. So, I mean, I wish I had a political motivation or anything. That's <laughs> really okay. interesting to say, but it, it just came out of, uh, I was reading a short story and it kind of really just touched me. Um, it was about a little kid in a public library. Um, mm. kind of lives this fantastical world. He falls in love with this uh, book, this war book called, yeah. um, you know, it's based on the Boer War and he kind of sees these images. And then in, in, in a sense, the war comes to the library mm. and he kind of, how he deals with it kind of is quite revealing to his character. Um, so I took that and kind of interpreted that story and kind of mm. made it a bit my own. And, and, you know, it's more like an inspired by now, but yeah. um, I just kind of climbed into the head. It's like, you know, the, the, the consciousness of this little kid and, and this world that he created. Yeah. And I think also like given in South Africa, like our kind of, you know, social political context, like a lot of bad things can happen at any moment and any time in the streets, you know, and just around us. We see, you know, just driving here, I actually just saw like 
a dead body like on the street and that's just something that we can kind of see in South Africa you know wow. quite often so it was it's just this kind of you know it's I suppose how this kid is uh, you know deals with um, you know the brutalities of, of, of kind of war in your everyday life in a way you know mm. that is kind of a reality of uh, living in South Africa so it's kind of like a fantastical story well it was interesting because I was watching and I was wondering how much of it was real or if it was gonna if, or, or if in fact a lot of it was happening in his head and he yeah. sort of invented the situation yeah I kind of yeah. really wanted to blur the lines between fiction and reality and in the end you never really know if it's in his head or if it actually mm. happened and mm. so it's that kind of world that I'm really interested in you know the, the psychology behind it and and I suppose that's that you know created realities that we that we have every day yeah. you know, that we all create and choose to believe things or not and mm. and and also just I think through the eyes of the child a child you know because there's a certain innocence that goes with that and and a kind of like also blatant truth too you know there's not too much um it's yeah. just yeah, not too much thinking that goes around it, you know. Like death is very different in the eyes of a kid. Also, a super strong performance from the from the kid. Yeah, he was an amazing little dude. He was, um, you know, he's one of these little child actors. He's like, um, it's quite an amazing little kid because he's kind of. They actually cast him a lot for like Swedish uh, adverts oh, really? and stuff because okay. he's so like Nordic looking, you know. All right. But he's kind of like quite a. He comes from quite a, um, I suppose, you know, bohemian background. Like his, his folks are quite relaxed, and you know, so he's been brought up in a different way. Right. So I just like the lens through which he views the world. It's kind of, um, he's very like collected and um, introspective, you know, for a, for a nine-year-old, ten-year-old, you know. So uh-huh. he was like an incredible performer, and he wasn't. What was great about it, he wasn't really acting. He was just kind of like, you know, playing Being, himself out, right. which is like huge, you know. Yeah. Kids are tough to, you know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to direct kids and acting and so on. But he was fantastic, you know. And we pushed yeah. him hard for, you know, for three days. Which okay. It's never fun, you know, with the kid. But he really managed and handled so well. And, mm. yeah, we just had some amazing moments with, because we had some other really good actors. Um, Randall Majit, he's, mm. uh, he's been in some big movies. He was yeah. in um, City of Violence and things like that. So yeah. he's... He's an actor of caliber, and um, you know there was one scene where he really climbed into the kid, like yeah. really got in there, and he had the kid up against the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when I was watching the scene, I was like, I was feeling bad for them. I was yeah, like, yeah. I got to stop this, you know, because he was the guys. I mean, Randall's like, yeah, he's terrifying. He's proper. He's terrifying. Yeah, yeah and he's got like history too that kind of empowers you know his performances mm. and so on so that was like just great moments and but he had the kid handled it really well great and have they has uh have these, has he seen the film has it screened yet um who the the, the light uh, yeah yes he has yeah okay. we did a private screening <laughs> okay. uh, screening for for cast and crew and stuff and yeah he really liked it a lot cool because he's done a lot of ads he's only done one um narrative short yeah oh, cool okay but he's gonna do a lot more he's he's very good you right know? a star yeah. is born so. yeah 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 cool alfred hitchcock said that like the two things that you should never cast in a film kids and, and animals, animals. Yeah. yeah so you managed to <laughs> we've got a new to which one is lighties and animals yeah, yeah, yeah. lighties <laughs> and animals actually yeah. but my my grandmother said something as well she said something else um, was that um stars or actors great actors hate being cast with hate being in movies with kids and animals because they always steal the show yeah, yeah. so it's like swings around so it's hard but when they do work then they work they can work really yeah. well because oh. they kind of yeah they're absorbing you know his characters yeah. Mm, yeah. I saw a great performance of a dog in a music video now 
And I was like, damn, that dog performed well. <laughs> really? Like, well, I wouldn't be able to. It was actually by um, Jason House yeah. from last year and this year again. Yeah. I think he has a... He's got a... Yeah, he's yeah, got a yeah, yeah, yeah. It was his recent one. He shot with Felix. Okay. So fit. Yeah, who sh- shoots with Simon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice music video. Was it? About a dog? No, no, no. It wasn't about a dog. There was a do- I think there was a dog in a shot or something. Or maybe it was a different music video. I'm not sure. <laughs> I feel like this is, a, this is one of those... It could have been anything, actually. <laughs> Did you actually... down the street to a dog and you know, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that dog is performing really well on the street. It would be great in that music video I just watched. Exactly. If they had put yeah. a dog, it brilliant. I want a dog. A dog, a gorilla, and a kid. But, but no underpants. But no actors are going to be in that movie because there's, there's no way they're going to be sort of sh- they're going to be shown up by yeah. everything. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. unless it's not a real gorilla, it's somebody mo-capping a gorilla or in a gorilla yeah. suit. Well, what Andy, genre Andy is this? Like sci-fi horror? What are we going for here? No, I think we're going for hard. Well, I mean, if you're directing it, it's, it's politically charged character drama. <laughs> yeah. What does it mean to be a gorilla? Then? It's about race and politics in South Africa. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Now we're in uh, dangerous territory. Let's talk about Paper Hearts. Uh, yeah, so Paper Hearts is a film about a um, man who is the manager at Recycling Depot who's unlucky in love, who really wants to uh, find the one. Um, and he, he ends up falling in love with uh, one of his employees or one of his volunteers. Bad idea. Uh, yeah, bad idea. Is it the first time he's done it? Will it be the last time? Um, it's a film that I wrote uh, as part of a, like a writing program three years ago when... Okay. Um, We'd get given prompts, uh, genre, location, and um, sort of an object that had to feature in the plot. Uh, okay. uh, from that, I sort of came up with a story that, uh, you know, in some ways resonates with my own experience uh, and you know, other people I've seen. It's, uh, I don't like to describe it as a romantic comedy, but it's a romance that is lighthearted. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, it was just some, it was something fun. It was an opportunity for me to get back into making a film that... Uh, that I could put my creativity in because I'd spent a lot of time working on other people's projects yeah. um, for the sort of two years before that. Okay. So yeah, I was just getting on that, uh, making something that uh, is fun, um, you know, that and that that hopefully you can watch it and you go, yeah, I, I can relate to to that in some way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The recycling probably. Not, Mostly not, the recycling. Not, I'm not wanting more people to recycle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was it a 48-hour film? But you said uh, that you no, got given it, a genre it, it, it and a theme. It wasn't quite that. So it was a, it's, it was a, a similar in that way, but it was for screenwriting only. So okay. it was a, it's a it's a program that takes place in America. It's called NYC Midnight or something. Okay. So you just write the screenplay, which I feel is better because then you've got 48 hours to hone a screenplay yeah, which yeah. rather than 48 hours to make the whole film. So yeah. you can put a little bit more. So yeah, you uh, you get your prompts on Saturday morning. By Monday morning, you have to turn in a five-page or five page script. Nice. Wow, yeah. Cool. yeah, so yeah. it was, uh, I wrote three, uh, this was this was the one I felt that I, I'd actually want to take forward, the other mm. ones, it's mm. written, but I, it's, it, they're less interesting for me to actually put effort into making. Yeah, yeah. cool. I, w- I was going to say, again, it's the strength of the performance of the lead character that carries so much of it, because he's a really likable guy. and you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel a bit bad saying it, but... Um, when I was watching, what was so great about him was that he looked so pathetic. Uh, and, I, and I felt bad saying that. I was like, Mark, you look so good. He's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, you look like such a loser. But, like, and I, but I feel sorry for you. And, uh, and you know, you can take that as you want. But, uh, yeah, I, I was really... Way to, way to build up your, your star there. Yeah, like... you know, keep him humble. <laughs> You're good, but also a bit sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cry myself to sleep thinking about you. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Yeah. But um, but actually, then what then came to mind was that it's a common thread among all the films. So, 
we talked about the kid, but the two, the performances, actually across the board, performances, Jess, in your film are amazing too. So let's talk a bit about working with actors because we haven't gone there today at all and that, that, that'd be interesting. Um, let's talk a bit about your process of working with Jesse, working with your, it's, I mean, the whole cast, but working with the two women in particular. Mm. Um, well, for me, I mean, I, obviously I haven't done a lot of films, mm. but the films that I have worked on or done, I, I like to kind of work from the character up or from the actor up. Mm. So I, I usually like choose an actor or a character and then I build up the storyline from that. So for me, working with actors is like an integral pro- part of the process from the very beginning. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like I'm, I'm a big fan of the Mike Lee method and Andrea Arnold who um, are both English filmmakers who kind of workshop films. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very tiring process too because, you know, it's kind of like doubled in time mm. and you're you're spending a lot more time with them. But for me, I I think that it yields better results with me as a, as a director. Um, I like giving my actors room to improvise and like breathing space to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just because sometimes it, it creates like more natural interactions, but also because I cast, you know, because I start with the characters, often it happens that their identities like are related to who they are personally. Sure. Mm. So they often have a lot to say in, in what they want their characters to do, mm. which I really enjoy. I, I like working with people. I'm not like a like a soul. I don't like sitting in a room isolated writing. It's just not my style. Right. Yeah, I like getting my hands dirty and working mm. with people. Letting them shape themselves, shape their own characters. Yes, exactly. Mm. I know it's the same with documentaries. I mean, now I'm working on a documentary and... It, again, it's it, the, the entire story and arc is coming from the characters. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. And you're also working to people's strengths like that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, instead of, I feel like often force people. Force fitting somebody yeah, into a role. You don't want to force, kind of yeah. Draw, come from the character, yeah. And then you just get frustrated when you're watching it unfold on camera because you know that you can't do anything to change mm. it. Mm. I've watched a lot of directors do that, and it's just like not at all like what I would want, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but so I mean, we talked about working with the kid, but then working with your your spectrum of adult actors. How much how much free range you give them to find their characters, and how much is you? Yeah, I mean, it depends. Always depends, I think, on the actor and the experience and stuff. And if somebody's got a lot of you know theatre and and on camera experience, they they bring a lot to the party, you know. So, like, you don't. I find, um, you know, I, I work differently. So I'll write a script and then find the characters and then see how they best interpret those like roles. Mm. It's kind of like, I suppose, like a classic approach. But some, you know, the guys who've, the, the more experience they've had, the more they bring to the party. And, uh-huh. they, and then they interpret those characters and those scripts and lines and they make it hopefully better. Yeah. And the, the better the guys are, the less work you have to do with them on set because they've just taken over the character and they've made it their own, really. Um, and then obviously the less experienced they are, the more you have to help them and, you know, mm. not spoon feed, but they just guide them and, and call, help them call upon their own experiences that align themselves to moments within you know this the 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 story our mm. story and how they can like link those elements with their life you know yeah i think it's just getting people to tap into a kind of truthful emotion that makes people believe is like what we're really all after you know? yeah it's yeah. that fundamental that fundamental thing but also you know that that idea that everybody should bring something that makes the the script better or makes yeah. the film better actually be yeah. it your actor your production designer your caterer really yeah, because exactly. everything sort of feeds into the ultimate product. 
Yeah. I think that's what I found when I made my first film was um, when I, you know, working on a project or, you know, you, you, especially if you've had this idea for a long time, you have very, well, I certainly do have a very particular way of, okay, well, this is how this, mm. you know, bit will be performed and this is how the camera will be. Mm. Um, and I think to go onto set with that idea is actually quite limiting. And I think it's with actors and, but also with them. Um, working with sort of cinematographers and stuff, if you go, and, and this is an experience I had, was I had um, Felix Soifert was shooting my film. Mm. And, you know, I was, the, a lot of times I'd be, okay, well, this is what I want, this is what I want. And you, I was just thinking, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think's best? Because I can just shoot this myself. But the reason I've asked <laughs> you to come here is because you're better at this yeah. than me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what can you give me? Uh, and this is, and then just to tie in with the actors, it's the same thing. I, I'll talk to the actors and say, look, this is how I see the character. This is, uh, the position from which I was writing from when I when I thought up this, uh, you know, this action, but uh, how do you interpret it? How can what do you, what do you think is best for this? How do you feel most comfortable playing that? And then using that as a starting point and going, all right, well, this really works. Let's do more of that, or let's dial it back, or that's not quite working for me. So I think um, that's what I found is is it's it's collaboration, mm. and ultimately it needs to serve an idea that was originally my story, but it it does become sort of our story. Everybody uh, and. And, and by having different people with different talents, we can we can make that story better. Mm. Yeah. It's also yeah. very like important to have a clear vision to fall back on, like what you're saying. Like I always, um, I actually listened recently to a podcast with Andrea Arnold on her recent film American Honey because she was just talking about the process. And they were basically in a van for seven weeks on the road, like with her and her cinematographer, who's like the best cinematographer in the world, uh-huh. uh, Robbie Ryan, like incredible. But they often had to like shoot a scene with complete improvisation and then they had to reshoot it completely scripted and then she was saying that in the edit suite it was the the combined edits of the improvised Mm. and the scripted and that is often what happens with me too because (laughs) like that like they were referring to it as like poetic realism so that poetic realism that you achieve in her films or that I try to achieve in my films like that is often a combined kind of thing it's not like totally loose but it's also not completely structured you know Mm. yeah yeah very cool yeah so what are you what are you guys working on now what's next well um, I'm currently working on um a documentary, which will probably end up being a short documentary. I think it's going to kind of be in the 20 to 30 minute category. Okay. Um, looking at old boys networks at traditional boys schools in South Africa, focusing particularly on the school I went to. And uh, it's my 10 year reunion this year. And it follows sort of, you know, the idea of why do people at these schools, why, why do they keep coming back? Why are 50 year old, 60 year old men watching school where rugby you know, mm. why, why is this attachment to the schools so, so, so personally felt? Uh, and I feel it's something that's quite specific to the context of South Africa. It's only in boys' schools. It doesn't exist as much in co-ed schools. And I think the other places in the world where it does exist, it's more in terms of uh, class. So I think of places like Eton or Ivy League schools, right. you know, it's, it's, it's tied in with class, whereas in South Africa, it's not specifically class as to who is included and excluded in that. So it's a, I mean, it's an exploration of kind of, uh, yeah, that all boys' networks. Okay. And then working on a... What will hopefully be a low budget, very very low budget feature film, developing the script at the moment with some people okay. uh, for the future. Can you give us uh, like the the, the two minute s- <laughs> tidbit? Uh, the tidbit is basically um, uh, graduates of sort of uh, or let's say I mean it, it's it's I wouldn't say autobiographical, but it's basically a, a, a uh, educated middle class uh, white person, white man, grown up, um, you know 
after apartheid, essentially uh, asking the question, um, how can I be racist if I have black friends? Um, mm. And exploring, I suppose, the sort of more latent prejudices that we have. Um, my own experience, the people I'm working with, you know, and of all races, but we've all grown up after apartheid. We've grown up at schools where there were black and white students. Um, and yet, you know, as obviously things are coming to, up now, but um, just examining those things that we didn't, we, we, you know, when people don't realize they're racist or when they don't mm. realize that they're insensitive or when they don't realize that what they're saying is hurtful. Important questions to be asking, yeah. especially now. It's a, that's a brave film. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it uh, we'll see yeah. how it develops. Yeah, but I think that's yeah I think that's important. If that if that goes as deep and and real as it sounds like you you want it to be, I think that could be something that's yeah you know, gets people thinking and challenges people in yeah. the best ways. Yeah, and I mean that's for me is I think it's what I've said to the guys I'm working with is at the moment it's because it is it is a. Well, it's, it's a tricky space to enter, I think. And mm. so for me, what's very important is not to say, this is my white view of things. It's yeah. saying, uh, this is how I see. So I feel like I can contribute to a, a male white character and their experience. I feel like I can, I have an idea of what that is. But um, for me, what is, very, what is very important throughout this process is to say, to have a um, sort of a black man, a black woman, and say, you know, they'll say, this is my experience. And if I say something that they can challenge that and say, well, that is actually in inappropriate or that's... So, um, yeah. Uh, and I, what I've said to them is, you know, at this point, we're just writing, we're working on a screenplay. And once the screenplay is finished, we will decide if that's something that's appropriate to actually mm. to develop further and, and put out there. Because it might not be, and it might just be a, a way of, you know, a couple of people mm. working through some stuff on yeah. their own. Yeah. And that, that might be where it ends. Okay. Well, great. Robin, what are you, uh, what are um, you up to? I'm working. Well, I'm, a com I'm primarily a commercials director, so mm -hmm. I shoot, I'm shooting, you know, just ads all the time and uh -huh. stuff. And, but I'm working on a, um, another short now. Um, I'm just working on. I've got like a couple of scripts, but okay. I've got two that I kind of finalise in a way. So I'm just kind of deciding cool. <laughs> which one is crap and which one is good, <laughs> or like maybe good. Right. Um, and then I'm working on a, a feature. We're we're in script development now. Okay. Um, and it's um, the I don't know if you know the book. It's called The Elephant Whisperer. Uh, no. With Lawrence um, Anthony, it's this guy um, who adopted a herd of wild elephants who were kind of like crazy and wild, and they just kept breaking out and you had to keep bringing them back and. Yeah. And they were like extremely dangerous, and he managed to kind of calm them down and get accepted into the herd. Okay. Um, and um, so it's kind of like, a, yeah, it's really like a humanitarian story about elephants and their place in the world nowadays. Um, and yeah, it's a beautiful book, and we're kind of adapting that book and turning it into a screenplay yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So you you uh, have gone from working with a child to working with yeah. a herd of elephants. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then no, no, no one can stand up. Yeah. Exactly, 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 yeah. <laughs> the elephants don't like, yeah. 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 No, but actually, the, the amazing thing about them is that they, um, they're incredibly good performers. They're right. like hyper-intelligent. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I've worked with them before on a, on a shoot, and the stuff that you can get them to do is incredible. Yeah. They're like super, super clever and uh, emotionally very like... Um, I was going to say they're very emotionally astute. Yeah, astute, yeah. And they can, they understand a lot. And they, I mean, just we, we did like two months of training with them and then we shot for four or five days. We did an ad like, you know, two years ago mm. with them and just the stuff that came out of there was like blown away. So yeah. from there... 
you know, we kind of decided like, okay, we could actually make a movie with, with these animals and, yeah. and do it. And, and so we kind of, yeah, we're pushing it and going for it. Ah, very cool. Yeah. Very but it's cool. been a, it's a long road, you know, just to get the rights and everything. It's taken mm. like two years, three years now, actually. Yeah. Where yeah. do you find elephants also? Um, there's a lot of elephants here. I mean, there's a lot of wild elephants and then there's a lot of trained elephants too, but we don't really, you know, it's not really... They're all like circus elephants to train mm -hmm. them, so we're not going to go there at all because you know it's a bit of it's a conservation story. So you need non-acting elephants. Yeah, non we need like elephants that are kind of like uh. wild, but not so <laughs> not too wild. So there's there's a herd in Bella Bella and Womba so okay. that, that I worked with already, right. um, and they're kind of wild elephants in a way, but that have kind of you know you can interact with them, yeah. and they're not um, but they're not circus elephants. Yeah. Amateur dramatics kind of yeah, <laughs> basically. They've got yeah. the groundwork, but yeah. we're just going to push it. As long as you've got like a ton of oranges. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like whatever, <laughs> whatever goes easy. down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so cool. Wow. Yeah, I know it's cool. It's it's a great. It's um, it's been like it's been a good learning curve because like I've you know had to manage all the contracts and it's a, it's a it's a book that you know people yeah. care about. So they they've been very um, hardcore with the negotiations and things like that. And then also just the road to finding the right writer and. Mm. I think we're just trying to push the bar really high. On yeah. it. So we, I'm not writing it myself. Okay. You know, we're getting a Greg Ladder to write it. Okay. Um, and so he's, you know, we just really want to make sure that we make a good, mm. solid, solid film. You know, cool. a classic film in a sense, but um, yeah, that a movie great. that everybody can go and watch. You know, really. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. And Jesse, you're deep into your documentary. <laughs> yeah, I'm like halfway. I mean, not halfway. Yeah, probably halfway through. Yeah, I'm shooting a documentary at the moment about theatre and memory in South Africa. So on like the most surface level, it follows the cast members of this theatre production that's been showing at the Baxter called Remembering the Lux. Mm. Um, and then on many other levels, we kind of go behind the scenes, um, you know, really get in contact with their lives, what it means to be an ageing performer, an ageing coloured performer in South Africa. The theatre show itself um, is kind of in memory of this theatre venue in Weinberg Main Road called the Lakshirama Theatre. Mm. And it was quite an iconic space for like six years. It was like this pimple that the apartheid regime just couldn't quite prick. Mm. Um, and it managed to be, it managed to exist as a, as a multiracial venue. And a bunch of like really big international artists like um, Percy Sledge, Tom Jones, all those huge mm. names flew out and performed there. And then it kind of, you know, slowly throughout the years, just, you know, just it, it fell apart and it currently stands empty on Weinberg Main Road. So, yeah, the, the documentary is, is it's a creative documentary, mm. but it's about music and space and theatre. Yeah. Mm, very cool. Mm -hmm. very, very Building cool. must be an incredible character. Huh? Yes. Yeah, that's that's an interesting part, yeah. you know, linking people with spaces because like, you know, like the space, which is crumbling apart, but it's still there. Yeah. And it's kind of like this, this space that isn't really useful anymore. The the older characters in the cast, like the, they're in their 60s, yeah. they're literally falling apart, too. I mean, they have to put in their false teeth every night before a show. And it's just really interesting to like link bodies with spaces and history. Mm. So I'm trying to do I mean, obviously, there are a lot of music documentaries, so I'm trying to approach it in an interesting way, linking those kinds of things together. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that idea of memory is, is very interesting, mm. especially the idea of recreating something that, that existed once upon a time and coming together to keep a memory alive, but, um, but sort of at what cost? 
and exactly. and and how how healthy is that actually, really? Um, so okay, well that sounds great. So what's the projected timeline on that? When do you when when does that? Um, hopefully releasing in two thousand and eighteen. Mm, okay. Hopefully, um, mm. we just we have to see. I mean, we have a we have a timeline, but okay. I'm also writing a script. It's almost done. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Oh, exciting yeah. things. So we've sort of we've we've ended each of these sittings by just talking about what what what's getting people excited about making art, making film in South Africa right now. What um, so just for for each of you, just quickly, what are, what are some of the things that really get you fired up, charged up the most? It could be films you've seen recently. It could just be I don't know. It could be somebody talked about virtual reality early Your on as film, well. Your film, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about my film. <laughs> It just feels like there's a lot of like resurgence of people telling stories at the moment. If mm. you, everywhere you, you just talk to people and it just seems like it's a lot of people writing and wanting to make movies and stuff. And that's like, and it's coming from like young people, you know, mm. and it's like a beautiful thing. You've got, you've got the older kind of filmmaking generation who are a little bit like, you know, um, I suppose we've never really had a film industry in this country, so they're a bit wary and they're kind of like doomsayers. But got all these young people who just like, you know, screw that and they're just like writing and making stuff, regardless mm. of whether it's going to happen or not. It's just for the sake of learning and, and building and creating. And, and that's a beautiful energy that mm. we haven't had before. I think it's, I think the next five, 10 years are going to see like a ton of amazing mm. stuff coming out of the country. I yeah, think. it's a sort of ground up fire rather than enablers enabling people yeah, to make the films. There are people our, who are just literally can't yeah, help themselves it's the birth from of our film industry you know and stuff's just coming up mm. it's it's happening and that's, yeah it's yeah and it's, it's from the people themselves you know it's not yeah there's no production companies or financiers it's just people wanting to tell stories yeah. mm. i think that's for me is the same thing it's the accessibility of film now and just that um you know that films are being made and are being shown and acclaimed that have come from very humble beginnings so i think like films like um heaven knows what or tangerine and these films that really found creative ways to tell stories but also managed to match up a story that could be told in these really rough and ready ways um and i think for me that's what you know excites me is going right well it's possible to make a film that's uh fairly inexpensive if you use you know if you use favors and you get people to collaborate and you get all these people in i think it's that um yeah being able to make something whereas I almost get disappointed when when people just sit and they say, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm making this short film, and I, you know, we, we asked for budget, and it's like three hundred thousand rand that we were asking for." And you go, "But like, just just make something. Like, mm. think of something. Think differently. How can you do it? Uh, how can you do it for less? How how can you just get it done rather than? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there are projects that you need to sit on, but um, gorillas are not cheap. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so that that was a lot of saving, but uh, I think for me it's. It, I want to make something. Um, I, I'd, I'll ask for money later, but let me. What, what can I do with what I have now, mm. uh, immediately, and and start down that path? Is yeah, that's what's important for me now. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like yes, definitely, like, hundred percent. I agree with both of you, but I also think it comes from a space of relative privilege because not a lot of people in our country have the ability to pick up a camera, like a DSLR camera, and just use it. Mm. So I think. Although it's much better, there's still like a lot of groundwork that needs to be made. Mm. Um, specifically, like I think that there's still quite like d like a lot of divide between different age groups. You know, it's like the the twenties to the twenty fives, and then the twenty fives to like the thirties, and then there's it's like this weird kind of mm. sectioning off that I think needs to like collapse completely. Right. I don't know how. 
but yeah i mean i think i think the fact that we do have like a platform and a space to show our work if we can do it is amazing mm. i really do and i think also these kind of like organizations that have been popping up you know like women making films black mm. filmmakers festival like i think all these things are really important in terms of expanding the accessibility of filmmaking yeah. to like everyone in this country yeah, yeah. Mm. no i think it's i, I think it's it's very, very true. And the Black Filmmakers Festival are actually doing amazing things in Cape Town. Especially, and we're actually branching further out than just Cape Town now, but they're really, in the year they've been going, they've changed the face in a, in a pretty exciting way. And at Schnitt this year, they're curating a block for us, which are all films by black women, which I think is going to be quite an exciting one. So come and check that one out. I don't know exactly when it is. I should, but I don't. It's on Thursday or Friday. Uh, Friday night is when it is guys thanks for coming to the second sitting yeah cool. this has been exciting it's been a fun day of filmmaking filmmaking talking about filmmaking and talking to filmmakers which is always nice there's going to be a whole lot more of it that happens over the schnitt weekend so hopefully you guys are all going to be there yeah. um events elements lab which is a day of this where we're going to be hearing from um, filmmakers who've worked on a range of interesting projects over the last year um the breakfast on Sunday morning where you guys get to... Um, you guys all know about the breakfast on Sunday morning, right? Mm. Yeah, you didn't get invited no. to the breakfast? Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't tell Mike about the breakfast. Oh, so that'll be a chance for people to meet each other and exchange ideas, hopefully. And, um, and of course, the screenings where you guys get to get up and engage with audiences about your films as well. So we'll see you there. Schnitt happens 5th to the 9th of October. 7th Schnitt in Cape Town. Um, and it's going to be at the lobby. It's going to be a truth cafe. It's going to be at Pepper Club on first Thursday. So we're going to do a whole night of screenings at first Thursdays, and uh, as well as as well as as well as all the information's on schnitt.org. It's on Facebook, Schnitt International Short Film Festival. There's elementsfilmlab.org as well, and tickets for everything are available on web tickets. So if you're listening at home, which of course you are. Uh, go there right now and buy your tickets and you can see films by Mike, Robin and Jesse as well as others. I expect more swearing from you, Jesse. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in myself. You should be. I really am. Yeah. I'm regretting this entire 45 minutes. It's It's been fairly, fairly bad. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you ever want another shot at coming back on one of these, you better pick up your game. <laughs> Get out there and swear like a trooper. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been It's a Schnitt Show 2016. Uh, we'll see you guys next year. has been a Lalela Media production. For more Lalela podcasts and goodies, you can visit lalelamedia.com.